Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi ve salatu ve selamu ala seyyidil mursalin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve baraka ve selleme tesliman kathiran ila yevmiddin amma ba'd. İmam Ahmed Anadis have related a particular narration in which it mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had uh, sent a revelation, sent a wahi and an instruction to a particular angel that they should go and cause a subterranean collapse in a particular town or city or area which means that they should have them all sink in the ground so the angel said كَيْفَ يَا رَبِّ كَيْفَ وَفِيهِمْ فُلَانٌ الْعَابِدِ how is that possible? why would you do that? when among them is such and such a person who is a great devotee and a worshipper. So the angel said that <clears throat> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bihi fabda. In fact, with him start the punishment. Have him sink first. فَإِنَّهُ لَمْ يَتَمَعَّرْ وَجْهُهُ Meaning, لَمْ يَتَغَيَّرْ فِيَّ يَوْمًا Because never once, not even one day, did his face change because of my sake? Seeing all of these disobediences taking place, seeing everything that's wrong, he didn't feel bad about it at all. This is very dangerous. You know, when you are, you have to, it's, it's a very complicated, very challenging thing. The reason is that when you're living in a society where there is so much wrong, contravention of the faith, the zina and everything else, I mean, just to name, you know, one aspect, and if you get obsessed by it too much, then I don't think you can live your life in the sense that you're just seeing it and you're just like, Tawbah, Tawbah, Astaghfirullah. You get depressed. You want to run away somewhere. But on the other hand, you can't get so comfortable as well that it doesn't even bother you anymore. In fact, you get so used to it, it becomes part of your lifestyle and you enjoy it. That's the difficulty here. Ya Allah. And then on top of that, we're not even those kind of devotees that he's speaking about where an angel would say, man, he's a devotee. He's a ibadat, an ab, a person who does a lot of ibadat and abid. It's talking about him. So imagine our state where we're not at that level anyway. I don't know how bad we feel about all of these things. And then on top of that, we, we do this, a lot of these things ourselves. So then can you imagine what chance we have then if that's what this Abid who at least was abstaining from sins himself, he just wasn't as perturbed by others doing it. Subhanallah. Ya Allah. Abu Omar ibn Abdul Barwa, a great Maliki scholar, he relates in his Tamheed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a revelation to a, one of his prophets that say to so-and-so Fulan al-Zahid, the ascetic who's just uh, cut away from the dunya, focused on the hereafter. أَمَّا زُهْدُكَ فِي الدُّنْيَا فَقَدْ تَعَجَّلْتَ بِهِ الرَّاحَةَ لِنَفْسِكَ You have just, you have just advanced comfort for yourself by your zuhud in the dunya. Meaning that so you don't have to worry about anybody else, you just have to worry about yourself and you're comfortable because you don't have to worry about anybody else. So you've just advanced your own comfort وَأَمَّا إِنْ كِطَاعُكَ إِلَيَّ فَقَدْ إِكْتَسَبْتَ بِهِ الْعِزِّ 
yes, by your turning away from everything, cutting away from everything and focusing on me, you have earned some nobility. You have earned some dignity. Because it's known that such and such a person is a Abid and a Zahid. وَلَكِنْ مَاذَا عَمِلْتَ فِيمَا لِي عَلَيْكَ But what have you done? What kind of practice have you put into place for all those rights that are upon you for me? It's a, the first narration in Sahih Muslim, in Kitabul Iman as he starts. It's related from Al-Himiri. He said that كَانَ أَوَّلُ مَنْ قَالَ فِي الْقَدْرِ بِالْبَصَرَةِ مَعْبَدَ الْجُهَنِ مَعْبَدَ الْجُهَنِ was the first person to deny destiny, deny predestination that Allah has the knowledge of anything. Whenever anything happens, then Allah knows. That's what he said. He's one of the first to deny that in Basra. Now, if you look at his history, the reason why uh, his opinion was even picked up you know why people even became... He picked it up from some magian, some fire worshipper. Cease away, his name was. So now, this was the kind of first Muslim-named individual who did it. However, the reason he got support and he then developed a following in this opinion at that time was because there was Amr ibn Ubaid. I think his name is Abu Umar. Amr ibn Ubaid. He was, the f- he was an abid, like ascetic, very well known for his ibadah, for his asceticism. No, nothing to do with the dunya, to such a degree that even Abu Ja'far al-Mansur, the great khalif of Baghdad, the first, you know, the, the founder of Baghdad, he was, quite, uh, he, he was quite impressed by him. In fact, it says that he was so impressed by his ibadah that, وَأَغْفَلَ uh, عَنْ uh, uh, would you call it uh, that he, he turned a blind eye, blind eye to it. so this person this Abid uh, somehow became a supporter of and picked this opinion from Ma'bad al-Juhani when people saw this they thought it must be valid because for common people you see somebody doing worship it's a big deal That that is everybody's objective in life it's everybody's ambition and goal that I wish I could do that much ibadat. Look how many tahajjud, look how many nawafil, look at the fasting. So then anybody who's like that, they could be jahil completely. They could be misguided, but people will pick it up from them. This is how the world and dunya works. So anyway, to this person, فَقَالَ يَا رَبِّ وَأَيُّ شَيْءٍ لَكَ عَلَيَّ What is responsibility? What is your respons- What is my responsibility towards you? قَالَ هَلْ have you ever become friends with a friend of mine for my sake? Have you ever taken an enemy of mine as an enemy for my sake? I mean, this is what, as the Salafis would describe as al-wala wal-bara. Right? They like that term. Uh, they take it a bit to the extreme sometimes, but al-wala wal-bara. These are terms that the Salafis generally use Al-Wala Al-Bara brother this is and then they say things like uh, he's a Taghut that, that's another word they use they're the Tawagheet these words you know I don't think anybody else uses them but anyway that's they, they I said that uh, some of them they do you know this uh, taking enemy they, they take it to an extreme sometimes and they think then you have to even support 
a Muslim even though he's wrong. That's where the extreme goes in that sense. But at the end of the day, it tells us where our state is as well, that we're all lax in some level or the other. <clears throat> then Allama Muhasibi, he says, وَلَا تَشْكُ مَنْ هُوَ أَرْحَمُ بِكَ إِلَى مَنْ لَا يَرْحَمَكَ What a statement. That's an aphorism on its own. Do not complain about the one who is more merciful to you than the one to the... Don't complain about the one who's more merciful for you to the one who does not have mercy for you. So complaining about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the creation. God is like this. Sometimes some people blaspheme this. And this is not a joke. This is not just children who may do this sometimes. There's adults. Recently somebody told me that I said, I made this statement, I was in a, in a lot of pain or something like that. And I said, God, what is going on? You know, Why don't you do this or whatever the case is. So there's still people like that. I remember as young children, you know, there's some people who, you know, you, you could do this because you don't know your understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may not be there. But that means if an adult is doing this, that means they haven't understood Allah. They haven't understood Allah. You cannot complain about Allah. You know, when the awesomeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the greatness, the wisdom of Allah comes into our mind, which should be, that is the case. And the 99 names of Allah are, are uh, one of the uh, wonderful commentaries about the 99 names of Allah is that, uh, and the hadith mentions in, uh, in uh, Surah Al-Tirmidhi and there's hadith about in Bukhari as well about the 99 names of Allah, man hafidhaha, that part is in Bukhari, man hafidhaha, right, whoever memorizes them, whoever preserves them, uh, protects them, uh, preserves them. So one of the commentaries here is that this is the 99 names are the windows to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're the highest level you can get to in an understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is through the 99 names. If you've understood each of the 99 names of Allah, you will understand who Allah is in His comprehensive nature. At the same time, He's the Rahman and Rahim, He is the Wadud, He is the Halim, He is the Ghafoor, He is the Ghaffar, He is the Rahim. And then at the other, on the other hand, He's also the Muntaqim, He is also the Qahar, and He's everything else that the 99 names tell you. So this is the highest level that you can understand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through His names. Because these are not arbitrary names given by a parent or something, expecting that my son will be like so-and-so if I give him this name, or it'll just be an exotic name. These are meaningful names that Allah has their attributes. So if the name says Rahman and Rahim, it means Allah has Rahmat. If he is Halim, then he has the Hilm, and so on. If he is the Qadir and Qadir and Muqtadir, then he has the Qudra. So do not ever make shak, sorry, do not ever complain of the one who is more merciful to you and for you to the one who is not, has no mercy for you. And that's why Allah reminds us of this in Surah Al-Fatiha, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Over and over and over we're told to repeat that. وَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ تَكُنْ مِنْ أَهْلِ خَاصَتِهِ And if you seek assistance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will become of His special ones. Because... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the difference between Allah and others is that when you ask others, eventually they will run a mile from you. The first time they'll help you. The second time they may help you again. The third time they'll start thinking, man, I'm becoming, he's becoming dependent. Right? We do this even with zakat money. We have, you know, nawal fund and then sometimes somebody comes, you know, and then they ask for money. And then somebody comes, they ask for money. We give it to them. And then after that, we think they're becoming dependent. Now, if it's a man, we're much more strict because they should be working. 
If it's a woman, then we can understand she's got children or whatever. But that's even with zakat money, we're a bit tight, something like that. Now, it's only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who loves to be asked. Yuhibbu an yus'al. He just loves to be asked. Ask all day long to Allah. Ask all day long to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and He will continue to give. That's the wonderful thing about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, the more you ask, the more your name becomes known there by the angels and subhanallah, your, your, your job gets done faster. The more applications you put in. It's not like, okay, this guy's got so many applications, forget him. You know, let's give to somebody else because Allah has no shortage. And you know what's the, one, what's the most wonderful thing? Is that it's those people in the world who are close to Allah who will be like this when you ask them. Meaning, those people who will continue to help are those people who have the characteristic of Allah. تَخَلَّقُوا بِأَخْلَاقِ اللَّهِ تَخَلَّقُوا بِأَخْلَاقِ اللَّهِ Don't judge people and give them. That's, that's what it is. So ask, seek assistance. And Allah makes us say this, only you we seek assistance from. So many times Surah Al-Fatih, if only we can focus on the meaning of that word, only you we seek assistance from, that will become a reality in our life. Believe me, every dua you make for the world, you should make a dua for the akhirat with it. For example, I've probably mentioned this before, if you're wanting to buy a house, then while you make a dua for a house in this world, ask for a house in Jannatul Firdaus. If you're asking for shifa, then ask for shifa from spiritual diseases for the hereafter as well. If you've got a problem with your car and you want that to be corrected, then ask Allah, oh Allah, correct my problems in the hereafter as well. Don't ever make a dua just for this world. Make a dua always with it, pair it up with something for the hereafter. Because if we're going to make a dua for this world, alhamdulillah, but why not pair it with the hereafter? If this dua gets accepted, then it's a good sign that inshallah the akhirat will get accepted as well. But seek assistance only with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Takun min ahli khasatihi. You will become from his very special ones. Qala Ubadah ibn Samit radiyallahu anhu. The Sahabi, Ubadah ibn Samit radiyallahu anhu says, Adhiri liyasa mimma fi aydin nas fa innahu alghina. Express despondence, hopelessness, dis, despondency from that which people possess. Meaning, don't express any dependence on what other people have. That he will give me, he will give me, he will give me. Allah will use people to give you things. There's no doubt about that. Nothing happens by magic generally. Allah always uses somebody or the other. But we should be asking Allah to make that happen. Allah, you give it to me. And don't focus directly on the apparent source. Openly desist from that. And focus on Allah. Because فَإِنَّهُ الْغِنَى This is what you call ghina and self-enrichment. Independency. Which is لَيْسَ الْغِنَى عَنْ كَثْرَةِ الْعَرَضِ إِنَّمَا الْغِنَى غِنَى النَّفْسِ that true richness is not having an abundant possession, but rather true independence is being independent of others and only dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِيَّاكَ وَالطَّمَعَ وَطَلَبَ الْحَاجَاتِ فَإِنَّهُ الْفَقْرِ Be very aware, be very careful and wary of greed and avarice 
seeking your needs from others because that is faqr. Faqr in Arabic, the word faqir comes from it, right? Faqr means need. It doesn't mean being poor. A lot of people, when you know it from Urdu, it generally says faqir, means poor. And the reason it means poor is poor person is in need. The real meaning is Arabic is iftaqara, faqara, it means to be in need, to want something. You don't have it, so you want something. So he's saying that that is being in need, that is poverty, because a poor person is in need. Right? So stop asking from others. وَإِذَا صَلَّيْتَ فَصَلِّ صَلَاةَ and when you make prayer, then pray, make the prayer of the one who is saying his farewell. Make the prayer of the one who is saying farewell. Hushayim said to his student, <clears throat> he said that if it was said to me that the angel of death is on the door, he wouldn't have any more deeds to do. Like he'd be, he's in such a perfect routine. He's already doing that. These sound so far-fetched, don't they? They sound so difficult to attain. That if if he knows angel of death is coming, I mean, we'd be like scampering around, right? But he says, no, no problem. You know, I'm I'm already on track with everything. I've got all the forms filled in. I've got everything packed, everything sorted, all loose ends tied. Make a salat that is salat muwaddi'in. Ya Allah, Allah Ta'ala give us that tawfiq. So when we're, when we're in salat, we need to really focus on who we're praying salat for. If we can't do it in salat, we can't do it anywhere else. Because every with everything else, we're not really focused, are we? Because we're focused on something else during that time. But when we're in salat, we're supposed to be facing the qibla, which is the Kaaba. Hence, it's a reminder that you're facing the house of Allah. You're facing Allah, essentially. Right, we can't see Allah, so we need in this world we need some direction. That's why Allah says, "Worth Marabbik. Remember the name of your Lord, because how are you going to remember Allah? What are you going to remember? What are you going to think about? So focus on the name of Allah. That's how powerful the name of Allah is. That's why we do that. So in Salat, we're told to focus in that direction. Likewise, we go for Hajj. We're supposed to go around the Kaaba. Otherwise, what are you going to go around? You know, go and do something for Allah. What should I do for Allah? It has to be something. So Allah has provided that intimacy with, with this house that at least you've got something to focus on because humans need perceptibles to focus on. We don't want it replacing Allah like idol worship. That's an extreme. But at the end of the day, humans have something that they need to focus on. A direction of reference. So in Salat, if you can't focus on Allah, then what? So for example, sometimes if I'm leading Salat and you've got a nice mic system and you know, you're reading well, right? Like in Masjid al-Quba, it, it was nice reading there. Then you, you, you, obviously the shaitan takes you to this idea that look how people will be listening. right? So the, the struggle there is don't focus on the back, focus on the front. Focus on who you're praying towards and your reading will become even better. If you focus on behind, then you, you, you know, it's not going to be acceptable. People are ungrateful anyway. Right? But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la ajral ajral Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't waste the deeds of anybody. He doesn't overlook them. He's not ungrateful. 
he is minashakirin. Is you know he's a shakir. He doesn't have to be, but the meaning of shukr for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is that He is grateful for anything that you do for Him. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give us the tawfiq. Allahumma anta salam anka salam tabarakiyatul jalali wal kram. Allahumma ya hayy ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hanani ya manna la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-falimin. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Oh Allah, we ask you to accept our du'as. Oh Allah, we ask you to forgive us our sins, our excesses, our lapses, our <coughs> transgressions. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to forgive our blindness. Oh Allah, we ask you to forgive our blindness. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us basira and understanding. Oh Allah, we ask you for your closeness. We ask you for lo your love and the love of those who love you. Oh Allah, we ask you for the best of this world, the best of the hereafter. We ask you to make us of your awliya, to make us of your friends. O oh Allah, grant us good company. O oh Allah, grant us pious company wherever we are, wherever we go. O oh Allah, whatever journeys that we have, O oh Allah, we ask you for blessing in those journeys, to make those journeys easy, including the journey of the hereafter. O oh Allah, we ask you for the kalima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed. We ask you for protection for us, our entire families, our progenies until the day of judgment. O oh Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. O oh Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. Grant us beneficial knowledge. O oh Allah, grant us a life of purity and taqwa, a life of closeness to you. O oh Allah, remove the emptiness that we have inside. Remove the estrangement that we have from you. O oh Allah, the strange feeling that we have. O oh Allah, the aloneness that we have. O oh Allah, grant us your light in our hearts. Fill your, our hearts with your obedience. Make your obedience beloved in our hearts. O oh Allah, so that it's easy for us to do it. Make your disobedience hated in our hearts so we dislike to do it. O oh Allah, grant us fortitude. Grant us steadfastness. Grant us the kanima on our deathbed. And O oh Allah, we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Grant us company in the hereafter and make all of our matters and tasks that we have in front of us easy for us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifu wa salamun alayhi wa sallam wa rahmatullahi